It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, hurrah, boys, hurrah, down with the traitor. Good morning. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. This is your host, Stu Jenkins. I'm a lawyer who's only been practicing in San Luis Obispo County since 1978. I've served as a special master for the Superior Court. I've represented the Democratic Party in court. I've represented Republican office holders in court. I've uh, had a wide variety of things that I've done in the legal field here. Uh, Lots of trials. But today, I'm really pleased to be bringing in a guest that's in line with our our ethic here at Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We try to bring in office holders and activists and lawyers who either are uh, affecting how public policy is applied or enforcing it or sometimes defending people who have... uh, run into problems because of public policies. Today we're going to be speaking with Jessica Crutchfield. Jessica is a shareholder in a big firm that's based in Kansas City, even though she lives in San Luis Obispo County. A small firm. A small firm. (laughs) Well, they have a big website. And she practices in uh, environmental law. Now, One of the things I like to do is tell people about our guests. You were educated at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, is that right? That's where my law degree is from. And Mm -hmm. uh, you went to Wheaton College before that? Yes. And somehow you got really interested in uh, the public policies affecting the environment. So how, how did that happen? I care about the environment. So that was my interest. Um, Uh Also, my undergrad degree was in philosophy and studio art. So I needed to go to law school to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There aren't a lot of jobs in those fields. Um, But philosophy is a really good undergraduate degree for law. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, in law school, I, I knew I wanted to get into environmental law. And because I... I think it's a pretty important field. Well, according to your biography, you even uh, externed, I think, with the EPA for a while. Yes, EPA Region 7 headquarters is in Kansas City, so I got to spend two semesters there. Now, what what does that mean, you externed with them? Do they, they teach you their regulations, or do they have you working? Uh, you're doing research projects and giving the yeah. attorneys memos, and they're using them in their cases. So you're actually assisting the attorneys, mm-hmm. and that was one semester. And then another semester was with a special office they have there called the Agriculture Compliance Assistance Center, which is not an enforcement area. It's it's an office that helps ag comply. So it's more of a special resource. So that, but that also involved research primarily. Sure, sure. And so a farmer or a big ag concern uh, uh, came to the EPA and said, we, we want to be able to uh, make sure that what we're doing is in line with the regulations. Would they send you out to assist them or how, how did that work? Not physically. It'd be more like, oh, this person reached out. They have 
a container and they don't know what to do with their pesticide rinsate. Like, what do they do with this material? Like, how can mm-hmm. they properly mm-hmm. dispose of this, or what do they? How do they treat this? So, okay, that kind of thing. Okay. Well, the the thing that caught my eye and the reason I invited you here was that you had an article in the local Bard Bulletin, mm-hmm. and it the title was EPA adopts new standard for completing all appropriate inquiry for. C-E-R-C-L-A liability defenses, <laughs> and, uh, which is uh, pretty technical. <laughs> and uh, But I, I thought that when I looked at the subject matter, it was essentially, if I, if I understood this right, it was about what a property owner's obligations might be, or if somebody was buying property, what their obligations would be if it turned out that they'd just purchased a piece of property that was uh, kind of a brownfield. I mm-hmm. mean, many of our listeners here on K News 98.5 will remember, uh, you know, the Love Canal cases mm-hmm. where people had uh, housing on, what was it, an old toxic dump or something like that? And of course, they got cancers and, mm-hmm. and terrible things. But this, uh, this article, I thought, was a good segue for us to talk about what happens if, if you own a um, dry cleaning establishment mm-hmm. uh, or you buy an industrial building and, and they used to uh, have all kinds of chemicals that they worked with that have seeped into the ground. Is, is that what essentially this article was dealing with? Yes. So CERCLA, the topic, the, the law that um, is in the subject line was actually adopted somewhat in reaction to Love Canal. And, and that's an acronym for the Comprehensive Environmental Response, comma, Com- Compensation and Liability Act. Yes. <laughs> so, so you've got the, the environmental response, which is either the government or private, private people having to respond, and the compensation and liability. So basically these are all paired together. Is that right? Right. So CERCLA, it has different parts to it, but basically it allows the government to make property owners clean up contaminated property, even if they didn't cause the contamination. Right. Um, So there's four different classes of responsible parties, but the focus here would be property owners. It it could also be an operator, an arranger, transporter, or disposer. So um, if you've got, uh, say, we're broadcasting here uh, right from south of the airport today. And uh, there's been a lot of articles and information about uh, chemicals that have been used at the airport for fire prevention, for Mm -hmm. instance. I think we're going to be talking about those. Those are PFASs, if if I remember right, which we'll see if we can pronounce what that means. (laughs) Um, But the operator is, of course, the airport. Mm -hmm. So the airport might be liable even though the ownership of the ground underneath might be different. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So owners and operators could both be responsible to clean up contamination under CERCLA. And most states have an equivalent, including California. So mm-hmm. in California, it's the Hazardous Substances Account Act, which there are some differences between the two, but um, the gist is the same. They are The state law even incorporates parts of CERCLA, just like, hey, look in CERCLA. For this part. Now, folks, you're listening to Jessica Crutchfield, and she is an environmental lawyer who lives right here in San Luis Obispo County and helps property owners when they run into problems with this or when they're 
thinking about buying a property and they don't know whether they should look into what its history is. The Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act that's that's basically enforced in federal court, isn't it? Yes, it's a federal law. So if somebody wanted to defend against uh, their liability, they would have to go to the federal court, or is there concurrent jurisdiction in the state court? Practically, often there is a partnership between mm-hmm. the, the feds and the states. So like I've worked on sites where it's a federal site, but this, the water board pre- pretty much runs the site and the EPA is more providing oversight. So it kind of just depends on the different state um, arrangements. And ca- it, I'd say it's case by case. Case by case. So, mm-hmm. and if there's a state enforcement going on, then um, the property owner can turn to the state courts. Would they generally be uh, looking at the courts themselves or some administrative uh, law judge that they're have to deal with? Um, I I think the attorney general or, you know, it would not, I don't think it'd be administrative. It'd typically be in the courts. Yeah. Okay. If there's like a enforcement action. So it's more that the, that the property owner would be worried about an enforcement action and need to defend liability. The, the other side of that is um, there can be um, citizen suits if you clean up someone else's contamination and you want to get reimbursed for it. Ah, and, a private cost recovery action. And part of that is um, you may own a piece of property, but it's adjoining a piece of property that that is contaminated. Mm-hmm. And um, even though the contamination happened on that other piece of property, you're still stuck with the liability. Is that right? Um, yes, it could migrate onto your property and yeah. you would have to deal with it. And um, even though you had nothing to do with that migrating onto your property... Well, in CERCLA, there are several defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, the main topic of that article is um, the bona fide prospective purchaser defense, but there's also a contiguous property owner defense. Okay. Um, so there are avenues to, you know, not be responsible if it's just migrated onto your property. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. The, uh, <clears throat> the, the, I did notice that you did have some defenses listed here. Um, you had uh, the innocent landowner defense, and uh, what do, what what would cause somebody to be innocent, and how much of a defense could that uh, give them? Well, for all of the innocent landowner defenses, the one important step that the purchaser needs to do is complete all appropriate inquiry, which is from from the title there. That's right. So basically that means they have to get what's called a phase one environmental site assessment before they buy the property. And um, you'd hire an environmental professional to do that, like a environmental consultant. They're typically geologists or engineers or someone with an environmental science background. And they basically um, look into the history of the property they do a site inspection. They pull up publicly available information and write a report and either identify concerns or not. Do mm-hmm. they do any testing or drilling of uh, boreholes to see what's down underneath the, the, the ground? Is that is that part of a uh, all-appropriate inquiry? That is not necessary. Really? So okay. um, they, we would call that a phase two investigation. Mm-hmm. Um and um, if you if you find contamination, then you don't necessarily have to fully investigate it. If you if you find a concern with your fa- in your phase one, so so if you've done 
the study mm-hmm. before you buy the property, uh, and you you've done all appropriate inquiry mm-hmm. and established that you're now an innocent landowner. Uh, how does what happens when the EPA comes calling and or some uh, the water di- board comes calling and says you've got uh, this contamination? of some sort of uh, toxic chemical on your land or under your land um, who ends up being responsible for the cleanup? Um, You'd have to assert your defenses. So um, the bona fide prospective purchaser is a little bit, it's a, I guess it's a part of the innocent landowner defenses, but um, part of the components includes you have to cooperate with EPA. You have to provide access to responsible parties you have to take action to address any immediate concerns. So you could have some obligations, for instance, if you you have a drum of TCE, you can't just leave it there and not do anything about it. You need to... Now, for our listeners, what's <laughs> TCE? Um, trichloroethylene, and it is a chemical commonly used. Um, it's a solvent, so mm-hmm. it's it's good for cleaning greasy things. Um, okay. It's, it was used a lot for semiconductor manufacturing, so mm-hmm. Silicon Valley, okay. um, all kinds of useful. I think we used to use it to get stains out of our suits well, te- back in the day. But, uh, <laughs> Tetrachloroethylene, yeah. which is just, it's very similar. Um, that's the, what's basically used in dry cleaners, uh-huh. um, although it's pretty much getting phased out now. Right. So, um, yeah. It's, it's and, a harmful the, chemical. The reason useful. it's what what kind of harmfulness uh, does it, TCE? Primarily cancer. Cancers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they find a big drum of this on your property, or buried maybe out back, and you've done everything you could to make sure there wasn't anything uh, there, um, and it's been leaking into the ground water. What what's the innocent property owner supposed to do at that point just assert your defense assert your defense and then yeah. um you know in order for circle is also known as the superfund law sure so part of what established part of it was to set aside a pot of money to pay for cleanups where there is no one to pay for it um and there's a whole process for a site to get listed on the national priorities list which would make it eligible for public funds to clean it up okay and uh, so, and is that the kind of thing that uh, your firm helps people access if they are innocent, or is that uh, another administrative type of? Uh, are there other services that people can call on? <laughs> We're typically helping our clients um, figure out if there's problems with real estate they want to buy, okay. um, take the steps to assert the liability defenses, and then um, also just navigate other concerns like if they're redeveloping it they're going to have to you know they're going to have additional costs associated with that they're going to have other compliance issues worker health and safety um you know aside from circla type things they could have asbestos or whatever so we help walk through all of those things for our developer clients um you know permitting and then another half of our business is working with lenders because Similar to a property owner, a lender needs to know if they're 
collateral would be contaminated? Sure. That's the, their, their security is the land itself. And if the land is uh, worthless because it's contaminated, that, that'd be a big problem, wouldn't it? Exactly. So um, it's a little bit different risk position than an owner. But um, yeah, we help banks basically through that process as well. Isn't it nice to know that banks get help? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Folks, you're listening to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We're speaking with Jessica Crutchfield, who's a uh, stockholder in uh, McRoberts and Hartis Professional Corporation based in uh, Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the the other thing that I noticed in your article. was that the standards were changing and uh, the EPA had some standards that had applied and they're going to no longer apply after February 13th of 2024. And the EPA has adopted uh, what looks like an international standard for determining whether somebody has done everything they need to do to uh, complete all appropriate inquiry so they can escape liability, or some of it. Mm -hmm. How's how's that going to work? So um, the federal statute has eight components that are necessary to complete all appropriate inquiry, but in the regulations, EPA has adopted this standard from the American Society of Testing and Materials, Uh ASTM. Okay. And ASTM puts out standards for all kinds of things, but one of their standards is the phase one environmental site assessment standard and they're required to revisit it every five years and see if it should be updated Um, so in this last round they made a few more updates and um, they're phasing out the 2013 standard and currently you could use either standard and then after february of next year you have to use the new standard how how do the standards differ if somebody is uh you know they're they in they own a nice industrial site in Paso Robles. Um, how would the these standards uh, differ that affected them? Um, they're not earth-shattering changes, okay. but um, they. This is going to get a little into the weeds, but you right. have to That's part fine. of part of the phase one is um, pulling those public records, and you you might need to pull public records on more adjoining properties under the new standard which can make the phase one take longer and cost more potentially because um, you know, you're asking for public records and at the mercy of the public entity to return them. Um, And um, there's also more detail about what's acceptable in terms of looking at activity and use limitations. So if if you have title work for an acquisition, that should be acceptable. But if you didn't, you might need to dig a little deeper into um, what's recorded. And, and uh, you're just looking for recorded documents. You're not having to go down to the uh, public health department to see if they have records or do you? Um, you do typically make inquiries with the yeah local, um, not like public health in terms of like diseases, but um, the health department that enforces things related to contamination. Okay. Okay. And um, when uh, when you have a bona fide prospective purchaser, they're the ones who are purchasing and they've done all of this looking um, or not. 
Um, have you had situations where you've been faced with a client who didn't do any of this and you've had to uh, assist them in figuring out how to navigate the, the uh, EPA? Hmm. We're usually helping our clients with the acquisition, with the acquisition. to get it right okay. at the first time. Well, that's, good. Um, that's good. Yeah. The the thing with the bona fide prospective purchaser defense is that was actually enacted in 2003 because previous to that, if you found a problem, you didn't get the defense. You had to do your phase one, and then if you found it, you, you were either going to take the risk or... Um, you know, you don't buy the property, okay. which was kind of making more brownfields. Like people were people afraid would, of this liability and they, they and the, didn't. And the people who owned them didn't have the money to clean them up. Right. Yeah. So with the brownfields amendments to CERCLA, they added this defense so that even if you find a problem, you can assert the defense. There's a property I know of in Guadalupe uh, that is just vacant and nobody seems to be able to do anything with it. Uh, mm -hmm. used to have a gas station on it mm -hmm. years ago and uh, blew up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Petroleum's actually yeah. not part of CERCLA. So, really? Okay. So that's under okay. different regulatory scheme. Now, when, when uh, are there other uh, due diligence basics that a property owner should, uh, should look at before they get into a piece of property? I mean, a phase one is really the first step. If they... If they find a problem and um, they want to move forward with their deal, even if they are not don't need it for the defense, they might want to do a phase two investigation um, because even if you're not responsible for cleaning it up, it's going to affect the value of the property. It's going to affect you know how you use the property. If you're redeveloping it, even if you're not responsible for cleaning it up, you're going to be digging around at it. You might have to pay increased costs to dispose of soil or you might have to pre-treat your water before you dewater it if you have to dewater that kind of thing so you you probably want to come have a better understanding of it from a business perspective as aside from asserting defenses folks you're listening to slow county public mm -hmm. policy and the law we're here with jessica crutchfield talking about the epa and defenses property owners have stay tuned right after this news break <laughs> 